must admit, for the first time in show history, and also just for, for, for me personally, that I don't feel up to doing this episode today. I really, I really, I truly don't. Um, and I'm going to get into that later. Uh, it has to do with football, and it has to do with uh, a breakup that, uh, that I went through. Um, and probably other fans and other people all around the world have, uh, have gone through. And if you know what I mean, then keep it to yourself, okay? We don't want to uh, spoil anything, but I have an obligation to be here for you, for the show's integrity, for myself, for everyone who's doubted me, right? I need to get through this episode. It's not because of you, okay? It's just you got school going on, you got real life going on, and then you have sports. So yes, this is your bi-weekly or tri-weekly sports update. Uh, I am your host, Double A. Welcome back to uh, High Voltage with Double A. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, the past two episodes. One being uh, my philosophical discussion with myself, of course, dealing with time, you know, questioning everything with time. And then my good friend Jin Liu from Temple University with uh, entrepreneurship. Hopefully you guys check that out. Those were great episodes. I mean, I, even I've listened to them. And, and yes, if you had uh, any curious thought in your mind in terms of do I listen to myself, yes, I do. Uh, I do it. Uh, that's one reason why I'm doing the podcast, like probably one of the last reasons I'm, I'm doing this. But I will definitely say that it is great background noise just to hear myself talk. And I can hear every time I say, um, I can hear every time that I say, you know, right? Like I try to improve myself. And the funny part is, is that when I was working for a company last year, we had a Zoom call with Reese Davis of College Game Day because a co-worker used to work with him on ESPN and he actually did the same thing as, as I'm doing and kind of inspired me to, to take those, those footsteps. He would watch himself to improve himself, kind of like a coach would or a player would watching film. So uh, that's just a little bit of a tip. I guess a little bit of the fact of the day. I do listen to myself and I try to listen to every single episode. Uh, the one with me and Ryan talk about arts and movies. That was a phenomenal one. I felt like uh, such a great, great guest and also a great friend. But anyway, I don't want to get too lost. Uh, I, I There's a lot that we need to get to in case you missed. You know, I'm going to cover a few weeks and a good few weeks. Um, so let's just Let's just nosedive right into it. Uh, the first thing is tennis. Uh, I'm not going to get into you know what's going on right now um, in terms of you know the the scores and whatever because I, I haven't paid too much attention to it. I, I've watched some matches. I I, I, I even um, was uh, I, I just saw Nadal move on to uh, the semifinals. I think it is that was a really good matchup. He just couldn't close. I haven't watched a whole lot though. Uh, I've been I've been meaning to, but it's on. Uh, it's up late. I'm a night owl. There's other things I have to be doing. It is kind of like a distraction to have that in the background because I would just sit down and just analyze, you know, what's going on, whatever. Um, there was one women match that was just amazing. You know, back and forth, holding each other's serve. Someone had to break. I do really encourage everyone watching the Australian Open right now. I really do. It's it's tennis at its best. And I would definitely encourage everyone and anyone 
to watch tennis in, in person. I never had to. It's on my bucket list. And whether it's the U.S. Open in New York or Wimbledon, the French Open, Australians probably going to be a little bit too late. And yes, they are very strict down under. I would encourage those to, to see that live event because uh, it's a major, it's a huge deal in tennis or even the Olympics. I mean, they, they also, that doesn't necessarily count as a, as a major, but it still counts, you know, as like part of someone's uh, legacy, part of someone's resume. But that's not why I'm bringing this up, okay? So, yes, again, please watch it. Very, you know, uh, you, and, and I, I even talk about um, tennis. I, I haven't done the episode yet, and it will be published, I don't know, maybe uh, February, may, maybe even March, uh, just talking about, you know, the greatness of tennis. You should really see it for yourself. The, the momentum changes, you know, and whatever. Um, it, it's awesome to see. Seeing that someone has the momentum, uh, you see the momentum change. You see that someone's breaking down, uh, uh, choking. You know they're they're go- they're getting really nervous. It's taking over them. It's just awesome. It, it's a really unique sport of its own, and everyone should see that for themselves. Uh, and I also just remembered because uh, I can't believe that it is um, late January. What it like? I don't even know what day it is. The days just go by so quickly, and it all just seems to be the same, all like a blur. But ten, the Australian Open does end, I think, the last day or two of January, the 29th or the 30th. I would definitely check it out uh, before it's too late. We're getting closer and closer to the championship, and I definitely recommend seeing the championship. So definitely get on that. Should be from here on out every day. And I know there's one match Saturday and Sunday, but still. I would definitely encourage everyone to see as much after hearing this episode as soon as possible. That's, but that's not why I'm talking about it. All right, the main thing I just want to talk about, and it's so unfortunate that because tennis is not popular in the United States, like for example, you know the the main um, sports media outlet I follow the most is ESPN, and you know I know they cover international. I know they have people all around the world, but mainly I see them and the and and their ties to the U.S. being strong. So when they reported about uh, Djokovic and his battle with the visa and the Australian government, eventually he gets deported. He's not going to play. He was the um, reigning champion for the Australian Open, and he was going to defend his title. Didn't have a chance to. And it's not like I I have like any particular stance on it. I mean, I'm I'm just I've always been the type of guy. That is, if there if there's rules in place and you're trying to go against them, I mean, what what else do you expect than to see a battle? You could feel right, they probably feel right, but at the end of the day, you know, they have all the power, they have all the authority, um, and they they deported him. So I it's really disappointing when it comes to tennis that that was the publicity that tennis got, and the fact that you saw tennis Australia going up against the government, in the fact that they allowed him to come to play in the tournament, and the government eventually <laughs> deporting him because they battled with him in court. It was this whole fiasco. It was almost like an hourly update when when Australia hit like seven AM or eight AM because I, I don't I forget the time difference, but it's pretty it's pretty large between Eastern Standard Time and, and their time. But still, again, just if you didn't know he's not playing because of that. Um he, he and I and I and I wouldn't be surprised if he's motivated. I really wouldn't be because I would be mad about that too. Just sitting in an airport, sitting in this hotel, and I'm just assuming as if I, I was I was him, 
and yeah, I, I, I would use that as fuel. So definitely here's your little uh, tidbit of uh, advice. I should say not tidbit. The tidbit came earlier in the episode. The advice I would give is that any emotion that you have, anger, sadness, happiness, use that towards whatever goal that you want to achieve. And for him, it's just to get another major. So, and I know he's, I, I don't know if he's, if he's in the lead. I don't think it's the doll. Federer might have more majors than he does. But he's he's got a chip on the shoulder now. So you can thank Australia for that and their decision to deport him. But yeah, no, so that's that's tennis. And hopefully, again, everybody checks that out. Just both sides, women and men, it doesn't matter. There are some great stories, some great headlines going on right now. They're, they're, they seem to be fantastic personalities, all, all of them. And just great, fabulous tennis at the highest level. Can't get any better than that. Uh, so then let me transition into NBA. Uh, not much has happened, but I do want to just say before I get into the, the bigger news, the Bulls, the Heat, the Grizzlies, give a give credit to them, man. I definitely am going to I'm going to keep my eye on them in the postseason because when it comes down to it, those are those are three teams that you did not expect to be this high in the in the, in the standings at this point in the season. Memphis, I think, is around the three seed. Miami and Chicago are duking it out one and two. Brooklyn's right there. Give a lot of credit to them. Chicago has uh, went down their fair share of injuries. You know, Levine goes down. Caruso's hurt again. Lonzo Ball's hurt now. And then with uh, with Memphis, they lost John Morant. Uh, with Miami, they lost Jimmy Butler for a, a good amount of time. And he seems to be in and out, you know, playing. Like, uh, he plays a game here, doesn't play a game there. Bam, I buy. They lost for a long period of time. Kyle Lowry has missed a few games. It seems, and Duncan, Duncan Robinson has missed a few games, too. They just seem to have interchangeable play, uh, people for, for any of them. You know, this Max Strauss guy, Caleb Martin guy, uh, Gabe Vincent. Some guys you probably, uh, also uh, Amir, you're seven. Guys you probably have uh, not ever heard of before. This season and has made a huge contribution. I think that goes to uh, the head coach there, and I just—it's just awesome to see, awesome to see them and possibly getting back to the promised land of the NBA Finals. So I just want to give a lot of credit to them uh, this point in the season, and I cannot wait to see how they perform in uh, in the playoffs. But the thing I would just want to talk about has to do with the trade deadline. So we did see two trades happen on uh, the past. Two three weeks. The first one was Cam Reddish. Uh, he goes to the Knicks uh, from the uh, Atlanta Hawks for Solomon Hill and Kevin Knox. Uh, also, I think they the Hawks get a first round pick in twenty twenty two protected. Uh, I I think uh, the Knicks also acquire Solomon Hill. So I, I think I was wrong about that. Knox is not with Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill's going to the Knicks. Probably released. The Knicks also gets a second-round pick. Either way, he has not played a game right now. Gives them an extra shoot on the wing. And a lot of people were speculating about Zion Williamson. You know, is he going to team up? I actually kind of believe in that kind of traction. I, like, he has not played for the Pelicans at all this season. He's away from the team right now. And there just seems to be a lot of dishonesty from the front office from New Orleans, so he probably does not appreciate their handling of of any kind of situation, of his situation, and then also stemming back to last season, they traded away J.J. Redick, when Redick said, keep me here, 
or train me before the season starts for because me and my, me and my family we want to stay in one place the entire season. They trade him during the season, so Zion felt and he was good, really good friends with uh, with Redick that he felt betrayed because JJ was betrayed. So I, I, I Pelicans might get screwed over again, you know, with Davis and now Zion, uh, and he wanted to go to New York. And the Knicks had to think about that in mind. Had to think about Zion Williamson. Like, he, he, if it wasn't for New Orleans, and he said this verbatim, his favorite places to play, New Orleans is one, the, the Garden is two. And I'm not talking about T, uh, TD Garden, all right? Talk about Madison Square Garden. So I would not be surprised that they make a move, the Knicks. Or even, you know, people thought about he just takes the qualifying offer because an unrestricted free agent pretty young in his career rather than taking the restricted offer and staying with the same team. So I Zion Williamson, man, I think he was a I mean, I, I traded for him in fantasy basketball, one of the worst moves. I'm still doing okay, thank God. But when it comes down to it, it he just not just has not done he just he, he was such a smart kid, so innocent you know, like, I mean, the guy went to Duke, he's he has a great person, had a great charm, and he's doing this, and I'm like, I thought that, I thought it was fool. I thought he would be different. So with Cameron is going to the Knicks, I think about Zion Williamson. And it's mostly because he hasn't played a game yet, right? Like, do I really know his fit? Do I really know what Tableau's thinking? I don't. I don't. I mean, sure, Alec Burks might uh, might lose some minutes, but I mean, what else can I really say? You know, you got Kemba in there, uh, Barrett's in there. Randall's in there. I mean, they, he brings them better depth, no question. Like, Knox was not playing any minutes. So, and, and the Knicks uh, admit, like, okay, that was a bad pick. That was a bad pick. And I think that they should have drafted Halberton. I forget if that's the same draft. But I think that was a clear choice to get Therese Halberton. Um, for, uh, the Kings took him. And unfortunately, they were wasting him, too, along with De'Aaron Fox. But but either way, that was one deal I just had, had to bring up. And the other one is a, a small one, too. I mean, Reddish is a name that people know, but but Brian Forbes, not really. The the Spurs trade away to the Nuggets. They also uh, include the Celtics in this trade. Bull Bull gets traded to the Celtics along with P.J. Do- Dozier. Uh, Huron Gomez uh, uh, gets uh, traded to the Spurs in this deal. So just, uh, you know, just uh, I think we're warming up a little bit to the trade deadline. I don't think it's going to be massive unless, you know, Ben Simmons gets traded. But other than that, I mean, just we're, we're getting warmed up here and you should definitely prepare yourself that there should be a lot of traction, a lot of conversations to be had, a lot of buzz, and you should keep your eye out for a few teams willing to get that, what they think is the, uh, the final piece of the puzzle or preparing for the future with a rebuild, so definitely keep your eye on that, and speaking of Ben Simmons, I wanted to talk about this, there seems to be more traction, uh, trading him away, game peace for right now, because you don't want to waste, I keep hearing Joel Embiid's having a historic great season, can someone please tell me how, like is it field goal percentage, points, I'm not sure if it's points or rebounds, he is averaging a double-double, and almost uh, five assists a game, amazing, but is it historically great, like the don't get, me, don't get me wrong. Like, I love history. I love records being broken just like your average citizen. But in terms of what he's doing, I don't know exactly what he's doing. So please let me know. What, when people say, oh, yeah, he's historically having one, one of the best seasons, I'm like, in what regard? Like, is he efficient? Is it because he's 
averaging 28, 10, and 4, you know, or maybe, and, and, and one block or two blocks, maybe a steal, maybe, maybe both. I don't know. I don't know. But either way, in terms of Ben Simmons, I don't want to get uh, sidetracked. Is he going to get traded before the trade deadline? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I've heard one of, I've heard a few people say yes. I've heard a few people say he's waiting for James Harden sign trade after the season's over. I don't know what to believe. But if I'm him, whatever offers out there, whether it's the Pistons with the Grant with the Jemai Grant uh, or the Kings, I, also at the same time, I'm not sure what's real and what's not because Dale might be telling reporters, "Hey, yeah, you know, I got this offer," and could be just trying to bump up. Ben Simmons' trade value. Because if a reporter is talking to Dale Moore and he says, Yeah, I got this offer, you're just gonna go with it because you know, I don't I don't know exactly what to believe. But there is some traction. There's no question about that. You keep hearing his name more, you keep hearing him connected to the Cavs, the Wolves, the Kings, even the Pacers, now the Pistons. So there is some traction, and that is a good thing, because Ben Simmons he his stay here is long overdue. And Philadelphians just want to move on and need to get and beat some help because literally I keep hearing this like it's just him carrying the team. People do not respect Tobias Harris, and I, and don't get me wrong, he's above average, and they paid him like as if he was a top ten player, but he's still an above average player. All right, and then Tyrese Maxey, big fan of him. Andre Drummond is a great six man, somewhat off the bench. They they got guys, but it's. It's a, it's a league where you got to have superstars, and he's the only one. And I'm not going to go anywhere near calling any of those guys superstars. But still, the, it, it, Ben Simmons and B, I knew that pairing wasn't going to fit. Now you you saw you saw it not work out. You saw it really not work out the last time Ben Simmons touched a ball on an NBA court. Make it as you will, but I'm not sure what to believe with that. I'm going to assume that he's going to stay, and Dale's uh, is going to get a little bit too greedy, and and Simmons will be trading the offseason. By that point, he's got no chores. But at the same time, is he just trying to get a nickel instead of a penny? You know, like, timing matters too. So, as a GM, I don't know exactly what to think because it's basketball, it's Ben Simmons, it's this whole thing, it's a fan base, it's... Joel and B, there's a lot of variables taking consideration. But I will say this too, I don't trust Dale Moore that much either. Like there's a whole lot of reports, a whole lot of contradictions. I don't know exactly what to believe. So that means it starts and ends with him, and I just just cannot trust someone like that. And I know dealing with me is not necessarily his main priority, but like like I said, there's just when there's smoke, there's fire, and there's too much smoke with Dale Moore. And then the last thing with NBA, before I move on to my bigger and main course, is uh, is Miles Turner. He was bound to be traded by the Pacers, and they um, wanted to be in the right direction of like a rebuild. You know, you got Sabonis. Brogdon keeps getting hurt. Uh, Levert was hurt. Now he's playing good ball. They got some good... And, and TJ McConnell, a great guy coming off the bench. He's been hurt. I think he might even be out for the season. And Miles Turner now gets hurt, and now they potentially can't can't trade. I I think they can, but now you know the value is going to really like take a take a dive because you don't know when you're going to get him back, and a contender a contender will like to have him for the playoffs. But yeah, just everything just does not seem to be going right with the Pacers. So I do really feel bad for them, for their fan base, and just 
I don't know what they're going to do. I do not know what they're going to do. And I, I feel bad for Miles. He wanted to get out of there. Uh, he And he put his head down. You know, he still wanted to play some games. Unlike Anthony Davis, where he just sat out. Or Andre Drummond, he just sat out in Cleveland. He he, he just put his head down, play, uh, played his game. You know, where he just kept averaging three or four blocks a game. One, I think he's the best shot blocker in the NBA. Rudy Gobert is right there. I think Rudy Gobert is the most consistent rebound and consistent blocker, but Miles is the best shot blocker. And I'm not sure if you really would say, oh, yeah, Rudy has more blocks in this season or Al just more blocks. But you see Miles get five or six blocks almost on a daily basis. And I would say at the very least you could put down three. I think Gobert can can easily average two, but Miles could get three in a season. I wouldn't be surprised about that. So again, that's not really the whole point. But yeah, I think he will get traded sometime soon, whether it's the off season. But the Pacers really do need to start getting younger, just starting over. It just didn't work with Saponis, didn't work with Old Depot, didn't work with Turner. Just they they. They made the playoffs. They just didn't really do much with it. And now it's just time to just see if they could get a superstar through the draft. We'll see. Uh, there's no question about that. But, um, yeah, hopefully. I, I respect the Pacers. I really do. I feel bad for them, too. I don't think they've ever won anything um, in their franchise. But, anyway, the point is is that uh, that's really it for NBA. And the trade down line, keep your eye out for it. I'll probably cover it next episode. But definitely, you know, when it comes to trade deadlines, it's awesome. And you guys should definitely, definitely not need me to tell you that. So then, in that case, let's just keep moving the train. Let's keep going to NFL. And this is where it's the main course, biggest deal. I, I'm going to give you my ana- analysis on the playoff games, some predictions. Uh, but first, I wanted to get into two things that set the stage for the playoffs. And that is the head coaches being fired. And the QB market that we're going to get here. There's going to be tons of openings and tons of different possibilities. And you might even have uh, a, sh- a shortage where, you know, there's just not that many quarterbacks to to uh, to get uh, to, to fill all those openings. So that's going to be very interesting once I talk about it. But the first one, uh, and I'm just going to just fire up the list of names, and I'm not counting Gruden. I'm not counting Urban Meyer. Okay, we're going to talk about those that uh, that got fired Black Monday or later, which I don't know why Judge didn't get uh, fired on Black Monday, but he got fired a few days later. It's weird, but th- wh- whatever the Giants do is weird. Vic Fangio of the Broncos, he got fired. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hired by someone. I, I-, I keep hearing from Eagles fans, you know, uh, yeah, we would love to have him instead of Jonathan Gannon, um, Sirian doesn't really know what he's doing. All he needs is a quarterback. Jalen Hurts could be that quarterback. All the advantage he needed was a quarterback. I mean, think about it. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater, he, even Case Keenum at one point, just nothing. They just are still trying to find their quarterback. And the defense was good. He had a fair record. He was in it. For, I think he even had the division lead at one point. And also because they had a very rather easy schedule at first. But he did, uh, unfortunately, they chose uh, to just start over, uh, starting with the head coach, and now they're going to find the quarterback, and they want to pair the two together, which I can understand. So in that case, yeah, might, might as well. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he, he gets hired by one of these openings. 
But still, we'll see. Uh, next one is Mike Zimmer of the Vikings. I just thought it was time. I think his stay was uh, long overdue. And Kirk Cousins, that goes with him too. I really do believe that. He's 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 smart. He's good. I, I, I've always respected Mike Zimmer, but uh, he hasn't really done anything. He hasn't really done anything. He's bossed some situations. Never fully trusted him. So at the end of the day, I just thought it was time. They thought it was time, and they moved on. And uh, I thought that was the smart decision, the best decision. So you can't blame them. You really, really just cannot blame them. The next one, Brian Flores. So this was very um, controversial, and even it still is. You know, African American coaches, they have high high expectations set on them, and they are more quickly fired than uh, than other counterparts. I mean, Mike Tomlin, I think, is the only one um, that really had a long, outstanding, and standing career. So when it comes to Brian Flores, you know, that was brought into discussion. What I have to say about that is just pump the brakes for a second. Okay, let's put it into context. I read an article from my from a Miami reporter because you got to do your research, right? You can't let that go uh, past you, over your head. He, this was between him and the general manager. I'm not sure if they got along or not. My best bet is that they did didn't and I'm just talking about on a personal level my best guess is that because what was going on that they didn't that work would uh, get into how they felt for each other personally Forbes was a person that demanded that he wanted a lot of power wanted to be like Bill O'Brien wanted to be like Bill Belichick where he was the head coach and he had final say on personnel so when it came to Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, he he took a firm line with his guy, the guy that he's been there, he's been with longer, and that was the general manager. So when it came to Flores, yes, it's very unfortunate. He's going to get another job, though. He, I think he did a, a really marvelous job with the Dolphins. Now, sure, you could say, oh, he had that seven-game losing streak, and that and that what derailed the season, and of course, the first season. I mean, you're, you're working with Ryan Fitzpatrick. What do you expect? But I will definitely say that second season, they should have made the playoffs. They just choked in that last game of the season, and they probably should have won a game that they lost. But still, they, he's going to find the playoffs soon. The problem is, though, is someone is someone really going to trust him enough to hand him the keys and give him the whole reign of the team? Because I don't believe in that. I, I, I don't. Bill Belichick and Greg Popovich are the only two I really do trust in that I mean you saw Tom Thibodeau the whole thing exploded so when it came and, and maybe Doc Doc Rivers had to step down I mean it's very hard to do both but still the point is is that I I can totally understand where you couldn't deal with that kind of influence anymore and he was demanding it he has a big ego from what I've read um, which is good if you don't make it so flamboyant you, you, you know that you're confident but you don't have to like be so outright about it which again I'm not telling how one should act never should I, where I tell how someone should act but you have to understand that could be perceived in a negative way uh, he was very from a, a bossy I guess for lack of a better word because again you know the guy wanted a lot of power wanted a lot of say but at the same time he's just a head coach 
has to know that he does have power, but he can't over-exceed that. So I can understand, and he's going to bounce back on his feet. Not that desirable of a job, though. Not that desirable of a job. Um, with Tua as the quarterback, and is Deshaun Watson going to go there? I mean, do you really want to deal with him? Is Flores going to go to Houston and possibly Deshaun stays in Houston? I don't think so. But again, everything's on the table when it comes to these head coaches. Uh, the next one is Matt Nagy. Just hor- a horrible job. Only get into the playoffs once. Even the GM got fired. Um, Pace. Just terrible job. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Not taking Mahomes to start off. And just seems like the whole city of Chicago is cursed other than the Cubs, uh, ever since um, ever since they won the World Series. I mean, they have not done anything with the Bears, the White Sox, the Blackhawks, the Bulls. I mean, now they're getting on their feet, but are they really going to win a championship? I don't think so. So they had to make a move. It was a year too late, just like Jason Garrett, a year too late. And now you kind of get your quarterback, but now, you know, going to have a second coach in his second season. I don't really like the sound of that. But that's just me. Bears are probably still not going to go anywhere for right now. But depending on what Aaron Rodgers and the Packers do, that division might be up for grabs. And then you have um, Coley, David uh, David Coley of the Texans. Did not give him that much of a chance. I I think they say it was because of, like, uh, philosophical differences and whatever. But I'm not sure I necessarily buy that. That seems to be the number one excuse a lot of times. Even Doug Pearson, who's going to and should be hired by somebody. That was the excuse that the Eagles gave for letting him go. Yeah, he, we just have philosophical differences, which is a little bit more believable in terms of, oh, yeah, you know, we're heading to a rebuild. Duck does not want to get into a rebuild. Texas, I I would think that Coley would understand that it would still be a rebuild. Maybe the front office thinks that they can win now, which is, you know, preposterous. Or maybe it was just you see Flores get fired, you see someone else get fired, and like, oh yeah, let's try to get that guy. Because so I remember in Arizona, you know, Josh Rosen, they get they draft him, rookie uh, QB, rookie head coach. They basically essentially cut them both once Clinsbury goes with them and Kyle Murray uh, gets drafted there, which did not really do a lot for them as a today and we're going to get into that but still the Texans are just a mess they're not going to make the playoffs next year or two if if Watts is still going through his little fiasco but anyway the point being is that they're a mess most of these franchises are a mess and the only one I can really see bouncing back depending on the QB situation which we will get into in one more moment and the last one of course is Joe Judge um, the GM retired Dave Goleman I just didn't understand this. They didn't fire him on Black Monday. They did so on Wednesday, which does happen, but not that often. And that kind of shows that someone changed their mind or maybe they just finally read the room. The jury has spoken. And now they're like, okay, you know what? It, it may be a little bit too late, but it's never too late. And they, they fired him. So that's going to that's gonna be uh, the least tempting job of, of the six I mean, you could say, oh, what about the Texans? But the, it just seems like the Giants, everything they touch just goes to dirt. They do have two picks in the top seven or eight. The Texans do have a top pick. Chicago does not have a pick because of the Giants. They, they had to get Justin Field. Dolphins have uh, have a, 
a, a mid round. So the draft could be appealing to some, especially when you know Q, the QB's uh, QB position is very important. But still, just it just seems like dealing with that market, the, the media, the fans, and just their roster just keeps getting hurt, and just seems to be you sign a lot of guys, and what, what happened? You know, not a lot. What, are you going to just put like fairy dust and, and fix everything? No, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's not appealing because of that. So this kind of ties in. I I want to get into this quickly so we could get into the playoffs. There's going to be tons of openings to the QB market. All right, we're going to have a shortage. So you have the so you have the QBs out of college. You have your typical Fitzpatrick's, Bridgewater's, maybe even Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo's, maybe even Carson Wentz. They're going to be available. Okay, so that's like five or six right there. I actually seven because I. I, I College quarterbacks, maybe even eight, but then you have Wilson, Watson, and Aaron Rodgers. That puts at like eleven. Okay, let me read you the list of teams need a quarterback. I think need a quarterback, or potentially need a quarterback. They should really test the idea young, or just get a fresh set of likes in in the huddle. Pittsburgh, Big Ben's bound to retire, and I actually am going to say a few words about that after I'm done with the playoffs. Kirk Cousins and the and and the uh, Vikings should. Split apart. He hasn't really done anything. I mean, what ha- what has he done his whole career? Nothing. New Orleans, are they going to really stick with, with Winston? Taysom Hill. Denver, it's clearly open to anybody right now. Washington, I don't think they're going to stay with uh, with Taylor Heineke. So already right there, we're already at five. Houston Texans, David Mills, really? So that's already at six. Tua Tavaloa, I'm not sure. Not sure. I, I I wouldn't mind having him compared to the alternatives that of the teams I'm listing right now, but I just just don't I don't think I trust him. I mean, you compare him to Herbert, compare him to Burrow, he's not even close, and he keeps getting hurt. So Miami should be on this list, and they, and they should look for a quarterback that could potentially make to a compete and and want it. Detroit with Jared Goff. Uh, do they really want him? Do they really like him? Did he show enough last season? Not sure. And I, I do think that Detroit's going to intense, uh, entice the possibility of getting a quarterback in there. Indianapolis, you saw how he played the last game of the season, Carson Wentz. I think John the Terry carried that team. It's really unfortunate that they wasted the entire season, in which he could have been, you know, a, a top MVP candidate. Uh, really unfortunate. And they're going to look for. A permanent quarterback, because even giving up a first-round pick can uh, can, uh, can backfire. Uh, the Giants, Daniel Jones is not going to stay there. I mean, maybe to back up, but he should not be the starting quarterback for them. Seattle, obviously, we know what's going on with Russell Wilson. That that should create an opening. Baker Mayfield and Cleveland, they have all, they said that we're going to look into it, bring in some competition. Now, I understand he was hurt, Baker, but. I, I never trust that. I never really liked him. I think he depended too much on the run game, like a Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo. So I would say them two would be available looking in the, for the QB market. Carolina, Atlanta. So now we basically have the entire NFC South. I did not put the Buccaneers on this list. I will, depending on Brady's decision. But yeah, I mean, Carolina with Sam Darnold, uh, Cam Newton. I mean, come on. <laughs> Come on. Um, Atlanta, 
Matt Ryan's getting older. They need to find success. That will be more appropriate in the draft. And I know Calvin Ridley may not want to be there, but you, you, you might need to draft a quarterback this year so you have some time to develop him and potentially start him this season. And then potentially, not only because of their performances in the playoffs, in which it was, you know, there was more to be desired, but just in general, where where their teams had gotten with them at the helm, and, and they're and they're not rookies, all right? They they are like six, seven year veterans, and that's Derek Carr and Ryan Tannehill. They really need to see can we win with this guy right now? And if you are hesitant, you need to find somebody. And I really do believe that they should find somebody else. I really, honestly do. So already we have three, six, nine. 12, 15, 16. That's more than half the... That's either... I think that's half the league, 16. With the two maybes of Los Angeles... Or Las Vegas, excuse me, and Tennessee. And then potentially Brady retiring. You might have other names retiring. Or other other um, trade demands. Something may go down. Or maybe you have allegations. Who knows? But either way, those are the QBs getting fired. In case you missed it. The QB uh, QB market should be really dominant this offseason. You're going to see a lot of people following it. But now I want to give you my analysis for the playoff games, starting with the wild card. So the first game that happened was the Raiders and Bengals. Bengals won by a touchdown 26-19 with the last drive uh, stopping the Raiders in the red zone. They could have scored a touchdown. They, They got away with one, the Bengals. And again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dwindle. On these playoff games, I I I mean I I might with one of them, but when it, I did see this game in its entirety, fun game, you know, and happy for Bengals fans, but it, they they did get screwed over the the Raiders, in the fact that they were coming off an emotional game Sunday, they had to play on the short week, and I say short week, the Bengals also play on a Sunday, but they the Raiders played the night game, and then they had to travel on the East Coast, so they kind of got screwed over a little bit. That's part of it part of just playing the playoffs in general. But then with the inadvertent whistle, not having the, the touchdown get called back and re- replaying down, which I've never seen before. I've never seen uh, a football play get replayed. I mean, in tennis, you see it um, from time to time, but in football, you never do. So that was a, well, that's a bad call, really bad call. And Raiders fans going to be saying that throughout throughout the offseason. Burrow played. Played decently, played well. Um, Jamar Chase just doing his thing. Yeah, he it, it was a good game. It was a really good game. Field goals were dominant by both kickers. The Bengals were the better team, though. I I expect the the Raiders to win that one. Um, so it, so it was by a touchdown. You could have taken away the touchdown by Cincinnati. That could have been a field goal. The Raiders they should have just scored. They should have just scored. Maybe get it uh, get it into overtime. We'll see what happens there. But still point is is that they were just not the better team that day and they weren't anyway uh you also have the Patriots and Bills that's that same day Bills just just weren't having it they weren't having it I mean the Patriots I don't know if I should trust Matt Jones or not I'm gonna give him another year I just think he's a system guy an Alex Smith-like guy where you get the third down he's a game manager could not keep up and the defense just was not helping him at all I mean it's in Buffalo there wasn't any wind. There wasn't really that much snow, you know. Not like on Monday Night Football. And the Bills took advantage, you know, uh, from that from that loss. And, and, and they're like, these are teams that dominate. 
we have to establish our dominance now. And that's exactly what they did. And Josh Allen was on a mission. 47 points, 5 touchdowns. He was on a mission. And he made that known during that. Knowing in front of the home fans like he was supposed to. So good job for him. Great job. And I'm not surprised by it in the least for him. Uh, the Eagles and Buccaneers. I thought this game was going to be close. I, th- I thought the Eagles, you know, would show that, hey, yeah, we're, we can be teams that aren't that aren't just, you know, weak on the quarterback position, has a lot of injuries, or, or just flat out just bad. They kind of, they proved that they benefited greatly from a weak schedule because they did not show up in this game. Poorly coached, poorly played by Jalen Hurts specifically, and just experience just took over from that point. Brady knew what, what he was doing. Game with a poor scheme, poor execution by the defensive players. This game was a blowout. 31 nothing. It was 15-31 only because, you know, the Eagles just just didn't want it to be a shutout. They scored two touchdowns on, like, what, the last five or six minutes of the game. It's not that much of a surprise, but it was, what, eight and a half, and technically the score was 31 nothing. So I, I did really think this game, what the line, the spread was eight and a half. I wanted it to be closer for my own biased reasons. But at the same point in time, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, the Eagles just weren't, just not the team that we thought they could have been. And there were people that thought they could have won, uh, that they could have actually been in the Bucks, but they were just, they, 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 were, they were a little bit fraudulent. Or they proved themselves, whichever way that you, you think on, on, on your behalf. And this one was a funny one. Um, 49ers, Cowboys. 49ers won 23-17, in which Cowboys did make a little bit of a comeback. You know, they were up, uh, not up, they were down 23-7, uh, which is a shame on them. Their offense, explosive. Sure, you may not have um, Michael Gallup. Cooper was there. Schultz was there. C.D. Lamb, I mean, what, only one catch? One catch, which I think was on the last play. Of the of uh, of the of, of the, on the last drive, this team is just cursed, man. They they what in the last 25, 26, maybe twenty seven years, won only three playoff games with decent quarterback play. I mean, Roland's not a bum, Prescott's not, and they only won three playoff games. We all knew they were going to lose this game. They they were favored. I don't know why, but then to lose the, the way that they did, the play call was fine. I 100% blame Dak for that last play. You need he had the ball, had to find the ref. To which, sure, 14 seconds you can ease uh, easily question the play call, but I would question Dak more. Should have found the ref, sh- should have made room for him to get through uh, the o- uh, uh, the O line and say like, yeah, 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 get get. Get a, uh, just make some room for the ref. Make some room. He should coordinate everything like a conductor in the orchestra. But instead, he didn't know what he was doing, even though they practiced it before, and then goes on later in the day blaming them and crediting the fans for throwing stuff at the refs. To which, I'll also say this. If if he got the spike down, one second left, they still would have lost the game anyway. Would have been a little bit more chaotic, I guess, now that you, know, you have a shot at the end zone. And people love to fantasize. Oh my God! Yeah, last second touchdown. Cowboys win the game. Cowboys are feeling the Super Bowl hopes. And but this was funnier. This was embarrassing. They still would have lost anyway. 
even it, but we just focus on that one thing because of the way in which it, they lost and uh, and and you can't blame the ref he tried he hustled but Dak man I, I I I'm ashamed you know I really respect Dak Prescott um and he's a, a good quarterback above I think a little bit above average I forget who else I called above average earlier I called Tobias Harris above average yeah he's definitely better than Tobias Harris but he's not worth all that money neither is Tobias Harris but that's not okay that's not the point I'm not saying Dak Prescott is uh, Tobias Harris. Here's the point. Dak's got to not get seven points in three quarters. Okay? The Eagles got zero. You got seven. The Buccaneers are a better defense, in my opinion, than the, than the 49ers on paper. They have a way better offense than the Eagles do. And they still only put up seven points. Why is that? I, I And you were at home. The Eagles were not at home. I, I really just... I, I felt that on Dak. I really do. You're the one with the football. You're the one with the... Uh, opportunity to make a play happen, and you didn't make anything happen. CeeDee Lane only had one catch. Is that his fault, or is that your fault? I'll leave it at that. Steelers, Chiefs, this one was obvious. It was weird that the Steel- that no one scored in the first quarter, and then the Steelers were up 7 nothing because of TJ uh, Watt. And then the Chiefs just said, all right, we're, we're done playing now. Let's just get going. Ended up being 42-21, to which I think that was ben- uh, Big Ben's last game. I mean, great for them that they were able to play in that game because the Chargers lost. They totally malfunctioned on multiple fronts in that game, and I'm not going to get into that because, you know, I feel bad for the Chargers. They, they deserve to get in more than the Steelers do, but because of that one night, they didn't deserve to win that game. They didn't deserve to, to be in the playoffs. That's just really how it goes. But, yeah, Mahomes was, was doing Mahomes things more than 400 yards, five touchdowns. I mean, what else can you ask for? You know, the Steelers are a great defense, but sometimes when you're in the airhead, there's not much else you can really do. I'm not. I wasn't surprised at, at all. I mean, I would have taken the Chiefs to to cover, and they did. There's really nothing much more to say other than Big Ben. You had a great career. Uh, I know you didn't officially retire yet, but I know I know that you will. And, I, and if you if you did, then and I didn't hear about it, then you did have a great career. Two Super Bowls. Uh, he went to uh, he went to a third against Aaron Rodgers. That was his last time. It's unfortunate he didn't go to more. It's unfortunate Tomlin didn't go to more. But still, what a what a great quarterback, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's enshrined in Canton. And then last one, this one's a little bit of a debacle too. And the Cardinals couldn't get anything going first quarter, and that's the Cardinals and Rams. Rams winning thirty four to eleven. This one was embarrassing. Because this was a divisional rivalry. This was Monday Night Football. Out of the Sunday, Saturday games, you eat, you they both days had at least two games. Everybody was watching this game, Monday Night. Stafford didn't even need to do that much. Only 17 pass attempts, 202 yards. Cooper Cup didn't even need to go more than five catches, 61 yards. I mean, and you see the guy get constantly eight, nine for like one, uh, for, for a buck 20. I don't know where they, I, I don't know what. What Clinsbury Murray was thinking. I think it was just inexperience. I know they were on the road, but they beat this team on the road before. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It was just it was just embarrassing. I felt embarrassed for someone who's a fan of Colin Murray, and he didn't look that that different from Jalen Hurts to be honest. So I I do see him kind of like coming back for a vengeance next season, but I have to see it to believe it. I be, I I have a feeling that he's going to do that, but I have to see it first before I believe it. So which then we get into the divisional round. 
crazy, crazy weekend. Great games all around. Probably one of the best uh, divisional rounds of all time. And I hate to throw that out there being being the prism of the moment, but that's really what it was, in my opinion. Bengals, Titans. The Titans blew this one. They absolutely blew this one. And that's because of one man, Ryan Tannehill, choked. He choked. Three interceptions. Okay? How can you possibly score only 16 points when your defense is out there fighting their butts off, getting nine sacks against Burrow? I give a lot of credit to Burrow, all right? Almost 350, no touchdowns, one interception which was uh, deflected. But for the Titans, man, I think you should have ran the ball more. Now, Derek Herr was inefficient. It was his first game back, but Foreman, Deontay Foreman, unbelievable. Four carries for 66 yards. You should have gone to him more. It just seemed, it just seemed like whatever you drawing up for him or just him, they couldn't stop him. That's, that's more than 15 yards a carry. So, I don't, I don't know what they were. Vrabel definitely deserves to blame, too. There's no question. But Tannehill on that last drive, milking some clock so Cincinnati doesn't have a chance uh, to, to kick the game winning field goal, in which it didn't matter because you threw an interception and you lose the home field advantage. I think that was their best chance to go to the Super Bowl, and they blew it. Derrick Henry's not going to win a Super Bowl. A.J. Brown's not going to win a Super Bowl. Julio Jones is not going to win a Super Bowl. That defense is not going to win a Super Bowl. And the better team lost that day because they, they shot themselves in the foot. And it's really sad. It really is. I mean, it, it, the first play of the game was an interception. Now, that got converted into a field goal, which the field goal kicker McPherson, awesome. The guy's clutch. But how can you possibly re- uh, receive the kick and then go ahead and proceed with an interception? Because not only do the Bengals, th- therefore, start with the ball, but they start the ball in the second half. So they basically start on both halves. You can't do that. So the last interception first interception was vital. And it's all because of Tannehill. Now, this one was I was referring to earlier. This one hurt me the most. And I and, and and the breakup I had was between me and the Packers. I am no longer a Packers fan. I'm done with them. And I'll tell you why. I was so heartbroken by the NFC Championship game last season against the Buccaneers. We shot ourselves in the foot on third down, one or two fourth downs. Rodgers didn't score in the fourth quarter when he needed to. Three interceptions, you only get a touchdown from one of them. Uh, the defense just did not come out to play. It's home game. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to watch any more Packers postseason. Because I feel like either I'm not helping them by watching their games. And also, I mean, it's stressing me out. I mean, come on. We all know from fans. Um, we could get stressed out from our teams. But more importantly, I was just disgusted all around. For Rodgers, for the coach for Kevin King, for the defense, for the defensive coordinator, so the coaches. And I knew the special team was a problem, and I'm not surprised. It, it showed its rear head. I'm not surprised. I'm not. You get a blocked field goal. One reason is because Aaron Rodgers took the sack, which, you know, you get, you get you're driving. You get two field, uh, you get a field goal and a touchdown, and you get a blocked field goal. I, I You got to get... You got to get a touchdown. Two touchdowns out of that. First drive ended a touchdown. One of the last drives uh, for the Packers was a field goal. But imagine if that was a touchdown. Imagine if um, if, uh, if Crosby's block kick was a touchdown. You didn't, you didn't convert on third down. 
whether it was bad play calling, bad execution. It's one of Rodgers' worst games. And let me tell you something. I'm not practicing because, like I said, I didn't want. I didn't want to. Uh, wa- I was so devastated from that loss from last year that I'm like, you know what? You 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 hurt me. You hurt me real good. I'm not watching you next season because I know that this might happen again. And what happened? I did not watch the game. I did not wear the jersey. I was literally doing anything else but paying attention. I I followed it, you know, like every quarter, you know, like oh, what's the score? What's the score? I'm like oh, they score in the first quarter, great. And I see some of the drives like three and outs. I'm like, that's not good. You you got to pound this team. You got to demolish this team. If you keep it close, they 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 might get you where you're where you're not seeing them. They might they might get you before before you do. And that's what happened here. You know, you give up a long play to start the second half. Block punt. I mean, is it really surprising? This this franchise seems cursed. We Packer fans, and this is actually um, uh, the first thing I thought of when the Packers, uh, and I knew he was going to kick the field. I didn't even need to see it. I didn't watch any of this game. I purposefully, and this is and this is what hurts the most, that I did what I did, hoping, thinking, that it was going to be from the benefit of the Packers. Because I remember one year, the Nationals, I wanted them to win the World Series, and they did. I didn't watch any of the World Series. I did it for them. It's kind of like a superstition thing. But it didn't even work. They did this to themselves. And the fans deserve better. The Packers fans deserve better. Now, you could say, oh, what about Aaron Rodgers? He deserves better. Yeah, but you talk about the past. The first time he played the 49ers, yeah, that was on him. The next two was on the defense. You couldn't contain Colin Kaepernick. You couldn't contain Moser. Couldn't do it. I know you also get stuck with some overtime rules, most notably against Seattle. You know, Brandon Boston should have caught the ball. Mike McCarthy should have went for it at the one-yard line both times instead of going with field goals to start the game. That also went to overtime. So imagine, you know, that, that was easily going to be a Packers-Patriots showdown, and it wasn't. I don't know why. I don't know why it had to just be like that. Everything happens for a reason, good or bad. But then Arizona um, against Palmer, I think it was, Larry, uh, him Fitzgerald, great duo. But the point is, is that the fans deserve better. I feel like I deserve better. And I just felt so bad for the players who contributed. Aaron Jones showed up. Devontae Adams, I felt like he showed up. The defense showed up. Everywhere else, the O-line didn't help him. They didn't show up. So, at home field, narrow loss at home, favored. You had the bye. You played that last week. I don't even care that he's leaving. I, I, I honestly don't. Like, I'm not following this team anymore. He can go. You had Fard. You had Rodgers. You only got two Super Bowls out of it. Football, it shows you how funny a, a sport like football can be but then you see people like Tom Brady and he's just laughing in your face with how many Super Bowl rings that he has Patriots and then one with the Bucks. it could have been done you could say oh Rodgers have not had that much money how about you play better defense how about you play better O-line how about you decide better McCarthy and LeFleur how about you Rodgers how about you? It just makes me so sick. So sick. You can hear my voice. 
and it's Eagles fans, it's kind of like you and you against the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 04. And I'm just done. I'm not going to have a team. I don't I mean I don't have one and I won't be. I I don't I never really have one in the NHL. NBA, yes, I am a Bucks fan, yes. But honestly, I my my care for them has dwindled since they won a championship. All, that's all I really cared about. Giannis winning a championship, and he did. If they win another one, great. If they don't, uh, as long as not a team that that has won many, like the Warriors, like the Lakers, or the Celtics, then yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'm I'm fine with whoever wins the championship then. But yeah, again, you know, Packers should have won the game. From what I heard, it was just ugly. It was in the it was it was their weather too. Snowy, cold. Jimmy Garoppolo not uh, was not dominant at all. They should have. They everything was set up to, for them to win this game. They didn't. That's what it comes down to: execution. Put your body on the line. Put you gotta put your lives uh, lives on the line. You didn't. And let me tell you a team that that did. The Rams did, and the Bucks did separately, but they did. So the Rams were up twenty-seven to three. They play. They knew that this was a very important game, and they showed up because the Rams kept making mistakes, four fumbles. That's when the Bucks were like, "They're giving us a chance. We gotta take advantage of it." They did. They tied the game at twenty-seven. They just had a little bit too much time. Fournette, you know, got into the end zone a little bit too soon. Stafford makes two great throws to the cup. They kick the field goal. They win. Bucks did not deserve to win the game. Rams did not deserve to win the game. But someone had to win the game. And it was a, it was a fine game. I, I didn't watch a whole lot of it, but yeah, you can't be surprised that Brady came back. And I know this you could easily argue just like the Packers. Oh, the Bucks were at home, so the Titans were at home. It happens. Football is such a spontaneous game. Yeah, I know. But sometimes if you just did your job like you were supposed to, and be the team that we all saw you on paper and on the field, it wouldn't have to come down to this. But it did. It did. And. Happy for Stafford being as uh, successful as he is. First time freeing himself from the city of Detroit. Now he has a chance to host the Super Bowl. We'll see what happens with the 49ers. And lastly, one of the best games of all time was the uh, Bills and Chiefs. And the Bills blew it. The Bills blew it because of Sean McDermott. Could have say it could have uh, ticked off. Four or five seconds with the kickoff. Instead, you gave Mahomes and the Chiefs the full 13. Played really bad defense, preventive defense. You literally did everything conservative, giving them a chance to get the yards that they needed, to give Harrison Bucker one of the best legs in the in the NFL alongside Justin Tucker. And that's exactly what happened. You cannot take your ga- foot off the gas. You wasted such great performance from Josh Allen. Great performance. One of the best and most out-of-nowhere performances in Gabriel Davis. 201 yards and four touchdowns. Bill should have been going to the Super Bowl. Because I knew whoever was going to win this game was going to beat the Bengals. And that could have been the Bills. And I was rooting for the Bills. I really were. I was. I was. They blew this game. Chiefs did a hell of a job. They, they definitely had their reason to uh, to say, oh, we deserve to win. But the Bills just fought. You knew, They were fighting tooth and nail. And I feel bad for them. I really do. I, honest to God, I, I do. And their fans. Their curse. Packers fans are cursed. Cowboys fans are cursed. 
there's probably other Vikings fans, Jaguars. I don't even know if I should call them cursed, honestly. That's just a whole nother matter. But now let's get into Thomas Championship. Now this is where my predictions are going to be made. I'm going to make it simple. Kansas City, they're minus seven. I think it's going to be a closer game than that. Usually because Kansas City doesn't cover. I mean, think about it, right? Like they, they won by six points against the Bills. But anyway, Mahomes is going to take care of business. See that there's an opening. I would, I would love that Joe Burrow and, and the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. But also at the same time, I do have a bet saying that Joe Burrow does not go to the Super Bowl within uh, his first four seasons. So I kind of do have a preference either way. If I have to pay it, I mean, I mean I'd rather take that than, than, than the Chiefs because they always seem to be going to the Super Bowl, which shows Mahomes' greatness. But I like parity too. So I am hoping that the Bengals win, but I don't think they will. Either against them or the Bills. And that's why I was so vital that the Bills won. And we'll just see we'll see what happens next season with them. Uh, then you get a divisional matchup, which could have potentially been avoided. All of this could have been avoided. The 49ers beating Dallas, beating Green Bay, could have been avoided if the Rams did not choke. McVay losing the first time ever after leaning at halftime to the 49ers. And McVay has never, ever been... Shanahan, never being the 49ers. So if I'm a better, I would take the three and a half points. I would. I mean, also the Bengals should take the seven. But my gut tells me that they're going to win this game because they see it. SoFi Stadium being hosted in the Super Bowl. But I would not be surprised whatsoever because those kinds of stats, Aaron Rodgers being 0-3 against the 49ers, McVay being 0-4 now or 5 against the 49ers, those stats proved to be fruitful in the NFL. So we'll see. Oh yeah, we'll we'll definitely see. Defense really showed up against against Brady. I mean, we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo now. So I I mean, I'm I'm taking the Rams here, but I'm not feeling good about it. I'm not. On honestly, it's that's tough. But again, I'm not great at predictions, so don't follow don't adhere to my advice. And then Whatever happens, I uh, my prediction for the Super Bowl, in case you don't hear it before then, I think the Chiefs will win. Not that I want them to win, but I think they will. I think they're going to beat Cincinnati, which then whoever wins the game at the Rams doesn't matter. I think they're going to find a way. And it would be a storybook ending if the Rams did win in their home stadium second time in two years because the Bucks did it in their stadium last year. But still. It's it is what it is. Chiefs are just dominant. They always find a way. I mean, it, it, people gave up on them early in the season. Defense sucked. Offense was just too turnover prone, and they fixed it. Gotta give Andy Reid a lot of credit. You really do. That he's put them in this position to be in the final four yet again. And then lastly, before I tra- transition over, like I said, Big Ben retiring. Oh my God, I I, I think I forgot one other, and I the champagne. Sean Payne, I totally forgot to bring up Sean Payne. Yes, he retired, or as I would like to say, a Brett Favre-esque retire. And that is, I say that because, you know, even though you might say, oh, Sean Payne retired, it's not expected to be too, too long. He is stepping away, which is the more appropriate phrase to put it. So I don't know what he's going through health-wise, maybe something within the family. I really do... uh, Send any condolences or um, any any luck 
that that he needs. He's a he's a big part of the Saints, a big part one could argue for the NFL. And I just wonder, I really do wonder, is this a way for him if in fact, you know, nothing's too serious, is he trying to get away from the Saints without doing uh with with doing some damage control? Because when it comes down to it, the Saints are in a messy situation, dealing with the cap, dealing with the quarterback, and now he's putting them in a very, very bad position, at least for next season. Because who are you going to hire as a head coach? You know, you got you got some good candidates, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's no better person to do the job like Sean Payne. And he was very close to make the playoffs. And he could have made the playoffs if, you know, the Rams did not choke on that lead against the 49ers. So at the end of the day, I, I, I forgot to bring that up. And that's very important because now you're wondering, well, you, you got Brady potentially tying, Gronk potentially with tying. Now you, you got... Peyton in there that could shape up a lot for next season so yeah I totally forgot about that and um, I feel bad for for Saints fans for the, the franchise and and for the NFL who knows how long he's going to be out for so that should be very interesting and we'll, and we'll see when and if he comes back but also John Lester he retired as well I'm not sure he's going to be a Hall of Famer I think he's borderline it's gonna be really close. Hopefully, there's a discussion, but I do definitely say that he was he was great, man. Battled cancer, helped Boston win a championship, helped Chicago win a championship. Never considered an ace, but you could tell based on his interaction with the players, some videos with uh, with deal, dealing with him and the pickles at first base. I think there was a, a play where he had to take off his glove and you know give it to Rizzo. It seemed like he was a cool guy. And it's it's sad that some of these players are retiring left and right. Players that that at my age we all followed. Uh, like I th- I think I remember uh, Mike Cameron. You know I think he recently and officially retired. Jake Jake Peavy. It's it's sad. I I I know it's just the the times in which we're we're getting in. I mean there's no question about that. But at the end, at the end of the day, it is just part of time, in which you know that was the most recent episode that I did. But I'm going to miss them. I really am. Uh, I'm not sure if being analyst, being broadcaster, is going to do justice for me. Hopefully, they. I just wish them the best of luck in whatever else they choose to pursue with their families, and just good luck to them. So that's that's NFL. Now we're getting into baseball which means there are some news to report on in, in regards to the CBA negotiations. And there are, there is some progress between the players and the league. Uh, they talked to back-to-back days, Monday and Tuesday, respectively. But they are still far, far apart. The players, they, uh, they, they still want things that are a non-starter, such as uh, when it comes to the free agency, they, they wanted to... They want it to be less than six years. Uh, they also have offered about this arbitration pool, which you know they want 105 million. The league is only offering 10 million. They want to increase the minimum salary. I'm assuming for for more than just the first year. MLB only wants to increase this to 15,000, not 175,000. MLB doesn't really want to change much to to the current system, the current economics. 
of the game and the players they 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 need to have something in place that addresses it they don't want to go through baseball unless you change the fundamental economic part of the game to which you know that it goes into uh, to when you're a free agent um how much you can offer free agents to a whole team as well as how much you're making once you get into the majors as well as it kind of gets into when you get into the majors so yes there has been some progress we've been we heard the players are willing to uh to drop its demands uh to change uh one form of free agency in which it proposed you know the, the, the also was talks about the draft in which you know they're trying to desensitize teams from tanking in which and also you have the revenue sharing the competitive balance tax which i alluded to uh, but here's here's the main thing i i do not believe that spring training will start on time which means in essence that the season is not going to start on time because you're you're talking with a week left before spring before what people say is that they need to have an agreement done by February 1st. That is not going to happen. It's going to be a miracle if it does. And the players have said that they are preparing a war chest in which players will will receive $5,000 in the first week of February as well as the first week of March if a deal is not struck. So they are willing to go deep into negotiations. And like I said, compromising needs to happen. And it cannot happen when you are so far apart on the spectrum I'm not sure how which side of the spectrum they would be on but one side is on the right side one side is on the left side and they they inch closer to each other but still nowhere close to each other so it's going it, it is uh, it's going to be really difficult to come with an agreement very soon if I were to guess at this rate they could get something done in March they're probably not going to get with me being um, pretty pessimistic as well as assuming the worst. They probably won't get anything done until May or, or June. So when it comes down to it, don't get your hopes up. Okay. It, it is, it, it, when it comes to the economic funda- uh, uh, part of the game, we, we know when we play like video games or even when you look at contracts, you see all these players making like $500,000, which is you know really nothing to them. It's a lot to us as uh, as just typical citizens. But think about it. Peter Alonso won the home run derby, one million dollars. Was that was more than his salary? You know, that was what the when someone brought that up, that was the issue that they were bringing up. And sure, there are non-economic issues that they can't talk about. But when it comes to stuff like that, that goes into their bottom line. You know, how much money they're spending. That's big. They really don't want to spend that much more money than they already are. Which someone argues that you're not spending enough because you see some of these teams like the Tigers and Pirates and Orioles not spending that much money. And you also have the Royals in there. You, you have the Marlins in there. And they're willing, they were even willing to trade away guys that they spent a lot of money to. So then what's the point of having, um, having them be signed there? So I, it's going to be really tough. And like I said, fingers crossed. But I really, I really do believe that you're you're not going to see that much progress that quickly as you would hope. So, it, it, at least there's some progress. But for but for me, it's not nearly enough to get the season back on track and and to uh, 
and to start baseball on time. I don't think that's going to happen. Not even close. Uh, but I will say lastly, before we say our goodbyes, uh, to give a big congratulations to David Ortiz. He made the Hall of Fame, 78% of the vote, basically. He was the only one inducted, uh, to which he joins now with uh, Jim Cat, Tony Alva, uh, Bud Fowler, Gil Hodges, Manny Misovo, Buck O'Neill. They will all be honored in Cooperstown July 24th of this year. So this was big, and I don't really have a lot to say about Ortiz. I'm not surprised. He's clearly qualified, whether it was this year or next year. didn't matter. But this ballot is very important for two reasons. It clearly stated that they care about character and they care about integrity of the game. Now, don't get me wrong. You can you can persuade me when it comes to the steroids, right? It can Someone like Barry Barnes, Clemens, be inducted into the Hall of Fame. I'm on the side of no because of what H- Hank Aaron said and also just the, the integrity factor. There are no shortcuts in life. And clearly, these guys did that. They clearly had an advantage. It was a, was a big embarrassment to the game, and it, it and it still is to an extent. So I'm happy, even though they they still got a lot of votes, even increases from last year. They did not reach the 75 percent threshold. Bonds got 66, Clemens got 65, um, and also character. Character's a big one. Omar Vizquel huge decrease like 40 something percent goes all the way down to 24 something about domestic violence and also the sexual allegations with uh with the bat war i think in when he was manager or somebody i forget i forget exactly who and what their role was but then kurt schilling kurt schilling said i don't want to be on the ballot and the, the writers were like okay kurt schilling i think is a perfect example of him being right in the fact that the system is kind of broken when it comes to the Hall of Fame. I think he's a bona fide Hall of Famer. Maybe not first ballot, but second or third ballot. But here's the thing. He was on his fifth year right before he was fired by ESPN for what he said about the law with North Carolina, the transgender bathrooms, as well as him endorsing President Trump, which a lot of people do not like him. To which then, he had around 51% of the vote, and that decreased all the way down to 45, 44, or something like that. Or maybe it was 50, maybe it was 55, and then it went down to 44%. But the point is, is that, sure, character is a big thing, but it doesn't give you a right to judge someone because you don't agree with them. And besides... Let's remove that from the equation for a second, okay? Because I do really believe that. Like, you should judge them based on what they do on the field as well as, you know, they're not an evil person. Like, you don't want to put someone that's going to prison. I mean, that's kind of obvious. Uh, Omar Visco might be on, on that path. But for an opinion, sure, I know, I, I know people don't agree with his views, but he's a human being. He's allowed to have an opinion. And if you don't agree with that, you shouldn't fault him for something that has nothing to do with it, like the Hall of Fame ballot. And again, like I said, getting back to the issue of baseball, he should have been in the Hall of Fame within those first four years anyway. So I do feel bad for Kurt Schilling. But at the same time, he did ask for it this this uh, this 
past season of uh, the 2022 ballot. But either way, again, he should have been on before. And by this point, it was just, he just made a mockery of it, like, no, don't put me on there. To which, it is a what if. If he didn't say that would have writers voted, and I think I think he would have. He only got 58%, but that's still a lot. I do really, really believe that Christian is a Hall of Famer. And the, and the Veterans Committee, the Golden Day Era Committee, I think they call themselves, they are going to put him in the Hall of Fame. I really, truly believe that. And speaking of them, this is where the second thing comes into play. Are they going to agree with the writers about Bonds and Clemens? And also, I just I just remembered Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, they can no longer be on the ballot. This is their final season because they changed the rule 15 years to 10 years, the amount of years you're eligible to be on the ballot. This was their last, their last year, and they're not allowed to be on it anymore. So that's where they could um, uh, potentially be voted on by other committees. But let me get back to Bonds and Clemens here. So this is going to be very interesting. So the writers clearly said, we do not endorse the steroid era. If the Veterans Committee goes against that decision, puts Bonds, puts Clemens in the Hall of Fame, or may, I, there's also another committee, uh, the the past days of baseball, like, you know, like the longer time period of baseball, if they disagree with the writers, that's going to create a lot of tension. A lot of tension. And I know they're separate, but they still do the same job. Who's a Hall of Famer, who's not? So I, that's going to be very intriguing to see. The writers clearly took their stance. And also, you know, now you got A-Rod in, into play. I don't know what year he's eligible. I think it might have been his second or third year, but he's still got 35% of the vote. He's still got a while to go. And I know it's not the exact same era as Bonds and Clemens. So that's going to be very interesting. What do the committees think? Are they going to get Bonds and Clemens in the Hall of Fame? A lot of people think they should, and I totally get it, right? It's part of the game at that time, and you also just have the fact that they they represented the game's history, good or bad, and I totally understand that. But when it comes to sport, integrity matters to me, and what they did cannot be explained by work ethic or heart or passion, it was because of something that really you're not supposed to take. It wasn't, it was just an unwritten rule, and they and they did it anyway, in which then it got banned, in which it should have been banned a long time, but it wasn't. Very interesting discussion. I love talking about the Hall of Fame. Been there twice. I totally recommend anybody who hasn't gone to Cooperstown to do so. It's a, it's a great little community. has a beautiful lake. Small town, which I prefer small. Just a whole lot of baseball shops. You should really check it out. And also places to eat and to shop. Um, let me just run down through the ballot here. Scott Rowland, 63%. I think he will get in at some point. Todd Helton, 52%. I'm kind of surprised. I don't really see him being a Hall of Famer. Billy Wagner, I think he will. There's a lot of people backing him. As well as the fact that you don't see that many relief pitchers. And he's a pretty darn good one. So that will be interesting next season. Francisco Rodriguez, is is he going to have that kind of same argument with him? He's going to be eligible for the ballot for the first time. And I don't think there's any bona fide Hall of Famers. Some people have brought up about Carlos Beltran, but I'm not even sure if he is. And then you have the scandal when he was uh, with the Astros. So that's a very, that's another topic of discussion for another day. Um, 
Gary Sheffield with 40% hasn't really changed that much. Jeff Kent really hasn't done a lot. Mary Maria, same thing, but not as impressive as Bono Clemens to merit that uh, all those uh, votes. Omar Fiskal, I already touched on. Sammy Sosa, same thing. A, a tick up, but not really. Um, but Andy Pettit, Jimmy Rollins, Bobby Bray, all around 10%. Mark Burley, Hunter, barely passing the 5% threshold needed to stay on the ballot. And then a lot of guys that didn't make the 5% threshold, and I will get to Andrew Jones in a second because I'm very passionate about him. He's actually my favorite player growing up. But the players that didn't make the 5% threshold was a lot of guys you hear of, and I do really feel bad that we might not hear their names again. And I know they're not Hall of Fame worthy, but still, just just listen to these names. Joe Namath, Tim Hudson, Tim Litzcomb, Ryan Howard, Mark Teixeira, Justin Morneau, Jonathan Papuan, Fielder, Pazinski. Surprised that Pazinski and Field got a vote, actually. Uh, two votes. Uh, Crawford and PV. unfortunately, didn't get any. But that, those are just some great names during their heyday. And they should be happy that they got on the ballot. But now it's just going to be, you know, it's, it's kind of sad that the time moves so quickly that now it's um, now it's just we got to say goodbye to those guys because they're not coming to play the game again, you know. So it's it it's a, it, just you see a lot of the guys that you saw growing up retiring so quickly. Munoz a great example. I remember him and Johan and Santana. So, yeah, but but congratulations to everybody that um, – that did have a great career out of the guys I just said that didn't reach the 5% threshold. Hopefully in some capacity, we do see you again, whether it's broadcasting, uh, being an analyst, or helping out with the community. But either way, you you were great baseball players during my time. And I really do appreciate everything that you did for your teams and and for great highlights, and especially Tim Linscombe throwing those no-hitters against the Padres. Those were always uh, great times. And, and now I know we have a lot of players that replace them, but still... When it comes to these guys, these characters, they're, they're great people um, for the most part and hard to replace. So that's definitely what I'll say about them. But the, what I wanted to get into, and I skipped it for intentionally, was Andrew Jones. 41.1%, a 7% increase. I don't think that's nearly enough. Okay, I understand that there's going to be some support for Schilling, Clemens, Bonds, and obviously Ortiz. Um, Ortiz, first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, you had to, to do it right, and you did. But when it came to Bonds, Clemens, and Sheila, I feel like those that voted for him just did it because it was their last season. No, but either way, you had to know that they were not going to make it. And, of course, they didn't. But here's the thing with Andrew Jones. I think he is maybe not bona fide, but he is a Hall of Famer. And a lot of people have said he is on the trajectory of being Hall of Fame. Now, again, I am a little bit biased. He is... Uh, my uh, my favorite player growing up, you could even argue he still is, and I have a lot of his memorabilia, like autographs, balls, pictures, even I think a bobblehead when he was with the White Sox. But here's the thing of why he is clearly a Hall of Fame. Clearly, the stats back it up, and he truly brought defense back into the game. I mean, he's up there with Willie Mays, right? Even people talk about. Um, you know, Ozzie Smith, in, in regards to he's in the conversation, one of the best defensive players of all time. And people have said he he might as well be the greatest center fielder of all time. How can you ignore that 
in Cooperstown. I understand he also had some off-the-field problems. I mean, it seems like some players do. Not a lot, but it seems like that's going to be a discussion. Character is one of the criteria that they vote on. But when it comes to Andrew Jones, again, on-the-field play is what I care about. He did it for 10 consecutive years. Not that many people can say that. As well as the fact that he did so with offense. He probably averaged around 25 home runs a season. And out of all those Braves, you know, Maddox, Smoltz, Chipper Jones, Wagner, Tom Glavin. I don't, I'm, I'm actually not sure about Billy Wagner. I think it's Tom, uh, Tom Glavin. But the point is, is that out of all those guys I just said, Andrew Jones was, was leading the Braves in war during their divisional run. Again, center field is the hardest position to play defense. It's a lot of ground to cover. You're the farthest away from the plate, so it's hard, harder to read the ball. And he made it look so effortless. I really do think that with uh, one criteria that's not necessarily a criteria, but it's an unwritten run, is that can you really explain the game's history? Is a player, their highlights, their ability... Are they part of telling the story of MLB? And I think he is. I really do. For for the better, obviously. When it comes down to his ability, his skill, his statistics, he clearly, clearly says that within that 10-year stretch, was one of the best players in the game. And it even withstanded his decline. The fact that he's in, he's on the ballot. A lot of people say, oh, he didn't end his career well. Understandable. But his, his, his last few years were so bad that you must give him a lot of credit for how well those 10 years are because anyone that ha- take any player with those last few years that he had terrible, are they tr- just just look at it independently. Those last few years, it was horrific. Struck out a lot. Um, clearly did not have the ability to play outfield anymore. Like he, It took a toll on him playing center field. If you took those stats when he signed with the Dodgers, bounce around with the Rangers, White Sox, Yankees. Do you really think anybody would go to the Hall of Fame with those final few years? You had to make up for that in your first 10 or so years, and he clearly did that in then some. So I do really believe that Andrew Jones is not only one of the most fascinating cases when it comes to the discussion of Hall of Fame and who should make it and who shouldn't, but I do really believe that without him, it is a travesty for Major League Baseball not to be in the Hall of Fame. And I do believe this, just like I said for Schiller, that if he doesn't make it on the ballot by the writers, I think he will make it by the committee. So either way, I do hope that there will be some support for him um, growing in the next year or two. I think he's going to take a big leap. There's no, Again, like I said, a lot of players that are eligible not Hall of Fame worthy. I know we're going to get into some 2024, 2025 probably, but for right now, he should... I think next year is going to be big for him and for Roland and for Billy Wagner. It's going to be that you should see a bigger leap. You really should. So that's it. That's the episode. Uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Um, it continue with the support. Text me, comment, post, share things about us. Uh, spread the good word about us. Uh, I mean, you know where to find us. I don't have to tell you guys again. Um, stick stick around. We have great episodes all lined up for you, all throughout um, all throughout the week, all throughout this month and next month. And just uh, just just know that sports never 
never sleep. So definitely keep your eye out. Like I said before, the Australian Open before that is over with, as well as with those negotiations with the CBA. The football playoffs were getting closer and closer to the Super Bowl. Always keep your eye out for sports. Take a break from work. Take a break from school. Take a break from something and watch sports for a little bit or read about it. You know, reading is always a good thing. So I'm Double A. I'm out. Thank you all again and good day. Good night. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at High Voltage with Double A.